she's mung. I'm surrounded by amateurs. For a group of freaking amateurs. But they're amateurs. Guys, they're an amateur. I'm just sick of all the amateur stuff, you know? What is this, amateur hour? Let's start an hour and an hour and fifteen minutes later. Oh, we're definitely going to include this in the podcast. Um, okay, well, we're going to get started with Amateur Hour, Episode One. Uh, I'm Ben, and, and I'm Matt, and we've been trying to get this going for an hour and seventeen minutes, and we finally just figured it out. <laughs> but I think that's appropriate because this is an amateur hour podcast and we have no idea what we're doing yeah so <laughs> that that ends our first episode because we're an hour in <laughs> um so i guess why are we doing this matt why are we thinking it's a good idea to talk about triathlon talk with other people well i think um when you think about triathlon there's a lot of information out there about pro triathletes and uh the reality is there's just a lot a lot of interesting people in the amateur scene um we've both been doing this for a real long time now and i think this is just a good platform to share uh experiences and stories from other age group triathletes um and just maybe inspire and um offers some insight into what our life is like. Yeah. I mean, just a little bit of background. Um, Matt and I both race on team Everyman Jack and we're about to start our eighth year on the team and we got on at the same time. And honestly, like when I think about that time together on the team, I, it's not, I don't really think about racing or training. I think about all the people that I've met and there's a lot of really, really interesting people. A lot there of people, are, it's, a I lot mean, of people that are way more interesting than us. <laughs> yeah. But even, I mean, I think our story is kind of interesting too. Just the triathlon world's pretty small. And even though Ben and I have known each other for eight years, um, we actually raced each other now 10 years ago. Um, yeah. And so just kind of sharing um, our same but different story from that race is just kind of, it's just kind of cool. Yeah. And what's funny too is um, like thinking about when we got on the team, um, just going down memory lane a little bit, like I was, I was in a bad spot in my life. I was going through some like really, really hard personal stuff when I got on the team. And I remember going to that first camp training camp in Las Vegas in um, February of 2017. And I remember, you know, I knew like one guy, uh, Clay from Texas, but just like seeing him at races, we weren't like close or anything, but I remember walking into this room of all these guys and thinking like, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> I'm in Las Vegas. I'm going through like some of the hardest personal stuff I've ever gone through in my life. And I don't know anybody here. And I remember feeling like, like that first day of school, like, you know, grade school insecurity level. Um, and it was funny cause like within, you know, a couple weeks of being on that team that year, you and I connected, connected and 
our stories are very, very similar. Um, and we had gone through a lot of the same things. And I remember feeling like, this is cool. Like, this is not just triathlon. Like this is, this is people that are, yes, we're doing triathlon and that's a similar interest and hobby that we have, but we're also like dealing with the same crap outside. <laughs> so that was something that later, I, later we still are. Yeah. Except, except now we're, except now we're, now it's, it's dad life. Yeah. Now we're married to great people and have kids and are exhausted all the time. Yeah. So we do this instead of training. Yeah. Maybe that's why we're doing this so that we can ease up on the training <laughs> a little bit. It's just, cause, well, we have a podcast now, so um, we're not going to train quite as much, <laughs> but no, I think about like, and, and there's other guys that I've met through this team, and I know you have too, that are either really good friends or just super interesting people. Um, and I know when we started talking about doing this little side hustle, not hustle, we're not making any money, but side uh, thing that we're like, man, let's list out the people we could talk about. And it was, <laughs> it was like the easiest list we've ever made. Like so many people came to our mind that either have been on uh, Everyman Jack with us or are still on the team or join later. Um, and we just thought like, this is such a great little vein to hit uh, of inspiring and really cool people to talk to. Um, because I know like for me, I watch all the YouTube with all the pro triathletes and some of it's really great and really cool. And some of it is so uninteresting to me. And I, I do feel that way of like, there's so many amateurs out there that are so interesting, um, that I think would be really cool for people to hear about and maybe learn something from. Yeah, I agree. And, and actually, as you're talking about, it makes me think like, you know, the, the pro triathlon things you see in social media or podcasts or whatever is like when they're in the thick of it and thinking about some of the people that have come and gone on the Everyman Jack team might be interesting to find out where some of them are now and what they're doing sort of after their triathlon life. Yeah. I mean, and just for everybody listening, I'm a teacher and I also coach, um, at my school. This is not a triathlon coaching thing. I coach cross country and track and field uh, through my teaching job. And I remember <laughs> when I got on this team, meeting all these people like neurosurgeons and lawyers and entrepreneurs. And um, it was so interesting for me because, you know, when you're at work, you're around people that are all doing the same thing. And when I got on this team, it helped expand my, my horizons big time. Cause I was like, you know, these different guys are, we're all doing triathlon, but, um, everybody's working and in very, very different ways. Um, and that was really, really cool for me. Yeah. So, um, who should we talk to first? I think, I think the first person that we're going to talk to is Matt Davis, Matty D try. What do you think? I mean, I, I love the guy. Um, he's inspired my, uh, social media name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Try. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's been Matty D try forever. And then yeah, he, longer than I've been Matty B try. 
but I think when he got on the team, you got kind of insecure and changed your name to Maddie B. Try. Well, you you've definitely had a bit of a crush on him, so yeah, a little jealousy. It's easy to crush on Maddie D. Try. <laughs> I have a really really funny story um, about my background with Matt Davis, um, but I'm gonna wait till we have him on. Uh, in a little bit to tell him or remind him because he knows about the story. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a funny guy. Thankfully, thankfully he laughs at himself uh, and thinks things are funny. Cause if he didn't, he's like a big, strong, <laughs> like slightly intimidating guy. Um, but no, he's a great dude. Um, and honestly, what he's been through in the last couple years, um, just so everybody knows, uh, Matt was out training uh, riding his bike in the desert in California where he works and he was hit by a car going 70 miles an hour. And <laughs> there's no easy way to like, um, kind of slide into that story. It's just like a very traumatic, scary thing. Um, and he's gone through a lot of rehab and, um, really big struggles to get back to just living a normal life, let alone like you know, swimming, biking and running. So we wanted to ask him, uh, kind of what he's been through the last couple of years. Um, it's been really inspiring for us that know him <clears throat> to see him go through those things. Um, but he's also a captain in the air force and he's a college football player. He's got a beautiful family. So very interesting guys. Yeah. He's got four kids and he went from having to like semi grown kids, you know, not like little toddlers like we have, but then he, had, you know, they had twins like two years ago. So <laughs> it's, I can't imagine what that guy's daily life is like. Well, not to mention his wife's also training, yeah. trying to balance all those schedules. Yeah. And his wife, I guess, coaches him. Like, I think she's his like full time triathlon coach. Um, which yeah. we'll have we'll have to ask him about that because I don't I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> it's nothing against my wife. It's it's more against me. Um, but that's a super interesting dynamic. Yeah, I mean, we'll let him tell us that story. Um, so Matt, give me a little bit of background. Um, what kind of give me your your history in triathlon a little bit, just so people can know. Well, I mean, I've been in it a while now. My my starting story is not all that interesting. Um, I think probably like a lot of people, I was looking for something to do to get into shape. And um, I wanted a challenge, so I bought a bike. And I really liked it. And I didn't have any sort of like bike computer or biking gear. I just kind of hopped on my bike and um, explored the area I live in. I live in the Milwaukee area and was just would kind of check out different places by bike. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to sign up for a triathlon. Um, that was 2012. And so, um, at some point in my life, I made the jump to Ironman and I've done 11 now. Um, but 11, 11 full Ironmans. Yes, sir. Good Lord. Um, but kind of, putting a pause on that because I've got a one-year-old and um, newborn coming 
in a couple weeks. Um, so I'm not real sure what the long distance racing schedule looks like, but, uh, definitely still have a few more goals, um, in the sport to try to tackle, but, um, been around a long time, done all the different races from sprints to ultra distance, which I did last year. Um, so a lot of people and, uh, races that I've done all over North America. And Matt, Matt's very modest, but he was, what were you, second place at Ultraman Arizona? Uh, yeah, but there was a, there was a pretty big gap from first yeah, but, to second, to be fair. <laughs> you were the first, like, normal human being. <laughs> that guy who won ended up winning by, like, a ton, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, certainly more ultra experience on his end and. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, first time for me, but uh, yeah, I was I was super happy with the way it went. Jeez, um, yeah, my yeah my my background's very similar. I grew up playing kind of everything. Both my parents were college athletes, and um, grew up playing like every sport. <clears throat> Sports was a huge part of my life, and got to college, and then guess what I wasn't doing for the first time. <laughs> I wasn't playing sports anymore. And so I, uh, you know, did the college thing, gained the college weight and I was getting ready to graduate. And I remember thinking like, okay, I need to get back in shape. And I had always been interested in triathlon. Um, my dad and I would watch the Ironman world championship videos every December. And, you know, it, we just thought it was the coolest thing. And that wasn't my goal or anything, but I just thought it'd be cool to do one. So signed up for a sprint, bought a like $300 bike on Craigslist and, you know, got absolutely destroyed. Didn't really train, just tried to like be an athlete and <laughs> get through it. And, uh, I remember seeing the guys and, and women who were doing really well, um, and thinking like, man, that looks really cool. It looks like it would be way more fun if you were <laughs> going, you know, really fast and being competitive and that just got my competitive juices going. And, you know, then I kind of upped the effort for the next sprint and did better. And, you know, kind of the story goes on from there where you just get better and you enjoy it more and do the next distance up like an Olympic. And I got destroyed again and wanted to do better and, you know, the competitive juice is going and you do better. <laughs> you just start stepping up and all the way up to the Ironman. I did a full Ironman in St. George back when they did the full, full like a long time ago. And that was like so cool and so hard. Uh, I was right under 14 hours and I was thrilled. I was just kind of, you know, didn't even really do much training just to be honest. Um, just kind of winged it. And then after that, I remember thinking like, okay, I want to, I want to start doing this for real. I want to start like training properly and get a tri bike. And, um, so yeah, just kind of took off from there. I think my first half Ironman, I was at like six hours, um, and had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I think, uh, I've gotten a lot better in the last whatever, 14 years, 15 years, whatever it's been. And, um, yeah, I, you know, you know, did the whole world championship thing and with the half and in Kona and had great races. And now, like we said, we're kind of on the other end of it where, um, we've had our really fast days behind us and we're getting older and having kids and doing all the gymnastics and, 
um, soccer and all that stuff. So it's interesting to see kind of the life cycle change um, doing this silly sport. I'm, I may be on the other end, but I want to be clear that I'm still chasing that good day at Kona. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're still racing. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. Like uh, We're both doing very well in our races, but it's it's a little different. I mean, everybody out there who has kids can understand, like, it's just not the same. Um, and it shouldn't be. Um, but it's fun to, it's, it's definitely fun to think of like, man, I remember when I was younger and oh, I remember how fit I was and how, how that felt when I was, you know, 31 years old and just at my peak prime. And I mean, I know I'm there at this point where I can remember those times, which is fun. Well, Hey, um, I think this is going to be fun. I think we're going to make a lot of mistakes, like spending an hour trying to get our recording going today. Like but, it's not uh, that bad. In the it's not that bad. Things. It's not that bad. But I do think um, people are going to be really interested in hearing Matt and his story. Yeah, so stay tuned. All right, here we go. <laughs> Sound good. All right, so we'll just get started. Welcome yeah. back to the Amateur Hour podcast. Um, we'll call this the official first episode since we have our first guest with us, Matt Davis. Um, one of our teammates from Team Everyman Jack. So uh, yeah, yeah. say hi to Matty D. And uh, Ben's going to share a little story about Yeah, so Matt, I know I told you this story a long time ago, but it's a really <sighs> funny story. So I was training for Kona 2016, and you know it's like the dog days of training where you're just like f- trying to find motivation like any way you can because you're just like so tired. And it was funny because one of my friends here in Texas – he, I went over to hang out with him and watch a game or something. And he was like, Hey, I found this guy on Instagram and he's in your age group and he's training for Kona. And the guy looks like he's a stud. And I was like, Oh really? What's his name? And he's like, Matt Davis, Maddie D tried. Do you know who that is? I'm like, no, I don't know how that is. Show me, show me his Instagram. (laughs) He shows me your Instagram. I'm like, man, this guy does look like a stud. We'll see. And he's like, I want you to, I want you to whoop this dude. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. And, the, and yeah. It, this like l- little seed of like, like rivalry was like, yeah, he's going down. Matty D tried. He's going down. And, uh, and then I kind of forgot about it. And, uh, I texted him a picture, you know, when you're like walking your bike into bike check-in, which is like this cool experience in Kona. And, uh, I had one of my buddies that was there take a picture of me, like, you know, facing me with all these people behind me that were behind me in line. And, uh, I'm there like walking my bike into transition and I sent him the pic. I'm like, all checked in, you know, like the corny, <laughs> the corny text. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, he texts me back like right away. He goes, he's there. And I go, <laughs> who's, who's there? And he goes, Maddie D try. He's like three people behind you in that picture. And I zoom in and I didn't even notice you were like right behind me. And no like, way. No way. And I never saw you again, like during the race or whatever. But I, I remember I texted him. I was like, that dude's going down. He's, oh man, I'm going to see him on the bike and yada, yada, yada. But anyways, so long story short, I guess it was two years later, two or three years later, whenever you got onto the same team as me, um, 
you know, they send out like, Hey, these are the new members. Congrats to everybody who made the team. And I'm like, Oh, cool. And I'm like going down the list of all these new people. And I see Matt Davis. Oh no. I was like, like, Oh (laughs) no. I was like, it's this guy that I've come to hate. Now I, I may have to love him (laughs) or we're just going to hate each other. And then we met at camp and obviously we hit it off. And I told you that story a long time ago. And I was like hoping that you would think it was hilarious. And you did, which is great. (laughs) So funny. But anyways, I I was like, I have to tell this story so people can hear that. I like eventually had to be like, okay, this guy's great. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Matt, obviously um, we're on the same team and we've had several years where we've gotten to know you, but give us a little bit of background of like um, where you grew up athletic background how you got into triathlon and obviously we want to hear about your family yeah but maybe let's start with like military secrets like, yeah what do you got <laughs> yeah. well i track santa claus you know so no so you're off for now <laughs> i am no i work at norad northcom and that's that's what we do monitor our airspace make sure the homeland's protected uh no i'll get to that um i I was born and raised in a small town about an hour north of Salt Lake City called Brigham City. And I guess growing up, athletics were always a big part of my life. I played everything under the sun. And um, by the time I hit high school, though, I was really focused in on football and track and was able to see some success there uh, with like regional and state championships. So it's pretty fun. And I was recruited to play football. And ultimately decided to go to the Air Force Academy. And don't ask me why I decided that <laughs> I had like no aspirations <laughs> to be in the military. Uh, but it was an opportunity to go play Division One football. 9-11 happened my senior year. So all arrows were really pointing me in the, that, that direction. So I was happy to go. Uh, I played football there. Played is a loose term. I experienced... <laughs> You were a part of the team there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) A practice dummy. I experienced some unfortunate and ill-timed injuries. So I would climb the depth chart and then get injured. And ultimately, like my senior season, I ended up coaching, helped coach the receivers instead of playing. So I was, it it was a positive experience overall. I was, I was great to be a part of the team. I got to go to the bowl games and whatever else, but it was, there was some disappointment for sure. Um, and I tried to channel that into track and field. Again, I, I tried out for the track and field team at, at, at the academy and uh, ended on a high note. I, I podiumed at the Mountain West Championships in the one. So it was, uh, yeah, athletic career, pretty happy about it. And then graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering and commissioned as an officer in the Air Force. And... Let's see. Yeah, I've been in the Air Force for 15 years. Wow. I'm uh I'm a major. I pin on lieutenant colonel in a couple months. So Wow. See, so I said you were I said you were a captain earlier, so I was like way off. You're <laughs> way yeah, you're cap, That's because thanks. of the Captain America costume yeah. emotion. You're way cooler than a captain. <laughs> I'll always be a captain at heart, you know, Captain America. <laughs> wow. No, well, congrats feels, on that. Thanks, man. I feel super old saying that. It's crazy because I'm like reaching the end of my, you know, 20 year career. It's nuts wow. to think about. 
But do you think you'll stick around after that, or do you think you'll do something else? I have no. I honestly have no idea. I'll become a professional triathlete. Oh yeah. wow. Oh wow. No. Okay. We, well, well, that's we where our interview ends. Podcast. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I know a guy that you could get you on a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. No, I'm good. I I have no idea what I'm gonna do. I probably will retire though. I'll, I'll get out of the active duty military. I'm not sure. Any job offers out there? You know, hit me up. Well, and then and then give us the the kind of. How did you get plugged into triathlon from football and track? It's not like a very original story. I feel like it's a lot like other people's in that I, I was an athlete. I wasn't anymore. Wasn't training like one anymore. I gained some weight. And at the time I was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base mm-hmm. and place we know and love and Ben. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I grew up in Southern California, so I know where that is. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's a freaking I was born in 29 Palms. If you want to talk about middle of nowhere, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, seriously, middle of nowhere, nothing to do. Um, you are in Southern California, but you're like 90 minutes inland of LA if you're lucky without traffic. So anyway, I, uh, P90X just wasn't cutting it. Tony Horton was doing me wrong. And, uh, I, uh, I had a buddy that came into Edwards Air Force Base that was just getting into triathlon and wanted a training buddy. And he just kind of pulled me along, actually had me sign up for a triathlon two weeks after we started training together. It was a sprint out in Vegas and borrowed everything, borrowed the bike, borrowed the wetsuit, um, and went and breaststroked the whole swim and, uh, yeah, fared okay on the, on the bike and run. And I felt like I was, I was hooked because the community there was, it was awesome. Like everyone's cheering you on and it, it fed those like competitive juices. Like once I, once I had to leave Edwards and it had to go kind of stop borrowing everything, I had to buy my own bike and Ashley said, well, if you're going to get that bike, then you're going to have to do an Ironman. It was a felt B12. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, excellent bike. That's right. Uh, Cool 3K. So, Ashley, when did Ashley get into triathlon then? After I did. So, she was actually always into endurance athletics. She had run marathons, um, but it was only after I had started in a triathlon that she joined in and fell in love as well. Got it. And so you've you've been doing the sport for a long time. You've been to Kona a bunch of times. You've done a ton of races all around the country. It sounds like a very similar story to me where you had those competitive juices flowing your whole life and then they weren't flowing. Yeah, man. <laughs> and you and you found you found something to kind of keep the fire lit. So I I get that story. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I didn't know that I was going to have this much longevity in the sport. I w- I didn't know I was going to do multiple Ironmans, but I did Ironman Texas and fared pretty well. I did like 10.09 and wasn't far off of a Kona slot. So I'm like, might as well go for it. And that's where right. like the infamous Kona chase started. And wow, I've been chasing it ever since. You went back to Texas and did 8.50 what? <laughs> 8.48, baby. Oh, 8.48, was it? I know it was fast. This is good enough for 12th place. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. So ridiculous. Um, that's crazy. So 
you were out in California. Now you're in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about your family now. Yeah, so I am married to my beautiful, lovely wife, Ashley, at a happy pace. And we have four kids. Um, Jake is plug. Yeah. Jake is 12, Summer is 10, and then we have two-year-old twins, Sophie wow. and Luke. Yeah. So we're busy. That's crazy. It's wild. I was saying, I was saying earlier, you had like two kids that were like almost out of the crazy time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you just reloaded with twins. Oh, gosh, dude, that was so wild. Jumping right back to diapers. When we are wow. so far removed, that was really tough. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been the best. They're so fun, so adorable, but a handful for sure. <laughs> I can't imagine the two. Just, uh, <laughs> oh, it's so ugh. great because they're they're little buddies, but they are so mischievous and get into everything, and yeah, and and it's it is it can be a lot, but yeah, we got a good we got good helpers and my two olders and and Ashley's amazing, so we uh yeah it, do, it doesn't uh, shy us away from traveling or doing any other fun activities, so it's it's been great. Yeah, you take your kids everywhere. Like you guys <laughs> post all the time. Like you've got all the clan. I mean, it's it's impressive to see like the traveling Davis Circus. It is all Ashley. I, if I were up to me, I'm we would just stay here, you know. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's we. Like, I've posted some pictures of us going to Kona. It literally looks like we're moving there. It is yeah insane yeah. the amount of luggage we had to take to to go. Well, I remember the picture you posted. I'm not exaggerating. I think you guys had like 30 bags. I mean, it was no you joke. Had bikes. Yeah. You had you had bikes. You had duffel bags. You had backpacks. You had like diaper bags. Car you seats. had car seats. <laughs> yeah. You had uh, what are the little pop up cribs uh, like the pack and play? Oh yeah, pack and plays. I mean, you you guys were like you had everything. It was pretty yeah. pretty impressive. And yeah, and stupid, but <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> You look brave. You look we were so everyone's. Brave. We were everyone's favorite people on the flight. You know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, between work and like I don't know all the kids' activities. Like, when are you fitting in the training? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh man, I wish I was better at this, but uh, I wish I was waking up early in the morning to get it done. But it always gets pushed off to like late at night after all the kids go to bed. So that's when, that's when I'm fitting it in. If I can, I'll get a swim or a run in during lunch, like a lunch break, uh, when, when things aren't as crazy at work, but it's all primarily at night, which I know is not ideal because you're tired and whatever else, but yeah, sometimes going to bed at like 1am because (laughs) trying to get it in, it's brutal. Did you notice a big difference? Like, obviously, I mean, that's a dumb question. Obviously, the twins were a huge difference. But did you have, like, a pretty good groove going with the two older kids with where they were at before the twins to where, like, you guys balanced things between you and Ashley? Or Because you guys are both training. It's not just you. I mean, Ashley's running a bunch, and she's done Ironmans and stuff. Like, how are you guys balancing that? And then how did things change? No, totally. We we were totally in a groove before the twins came. Things were going great. And um, it's funny, when we had the twins, I had a friend that texted me and said, well, 
goodbye triathlon. There goes your career. Like good luck training and all that. And he was partially right. I was, it was really hard to find the time, especially with how little sleep we were getting. Um, I mean, Matt, you know, with a newborn, I mean, you too, Ben, like when, when your kids are little, that little, it's hard to get the sleep in and, and manage your time so you can get the appropriate training in, especially if, you know, both spouses are training. Ashley jumped into running um, as soon as she could, like postpartum. Like it, it has been kind of a challenge because we're both, we, we both started training Ironman. She just did Ironman World Championships last year. Yeah, it was, it, it's been nuts. But like there, there has to be kind of a, like there's give and take. And you, we, you talked about Ashley coaching me. And that, that's been probably the best decision of my entire life because we she allows, she allows me to get a lot of the prime training in, which is, I I feel bad about, but it it allows us to like balance the schedule. She puts everything in my training peaks from like kids schedules to my, my training when she's training. Does she put like your chores? Like, Hey, uh, (laughs) (laughs) before you do this swim, you have to vacuum. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) a new category honeydews it's it's so was that was that your idea or her idea kind of both um like we were i was being coached i don't know we just had some differences of opinion in how i was training and she like was doing all the all this research she was an experienced runner and already training a lot of runners so i i told her like well just you take over my coaching then and i had just done like a 10 30 in kona and she took that time to 915 in Kona the next year. So Jeez. it was it well, it was awesome. Hard She's to awesome. argue with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you didn't want to disappoint your coach, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yikes. Have you have you had any bad races since she started coaching you? I mean, sure. Yeah. Where you guys have had to like sit down and like go to the drawing board or I like I'm so intrigued by this. I think it's so cool. <laughs> it is cool, man. It it is really cool. It's it makes it super easy if like there's a change in schedule or yeah, I'm not true. feeling good or whatever else. But yeah, there it, and it, I think that it offers another opportunity for us to like bond and like in th- these collaborative sessions to, you know, map out where are we, what our goals are for the year and what we want to achieve. So it's, it's wow. been really good. That's crazy. Well, clearly she's bought into it. If she's yeah. like, I know that's trying to huge. help execute that plan. Like you don't have to really do what a lot of people have to do with spouses and sort of justify the training time. Yeah, exactly. Not, not, you know, banging heads, trying to squeeze in time or, you know, sneak away to get an extra ride in. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been great. That is true. It could be, it could be something that could be like very unifying for you guys where mm-hmm. it's like a joint venture that you guys are, doing together that's really cool yeah does she does she like find a passion for triathlon coaching because of this or is this just more like this works for you and your family i think both you know it it definitely works really well for our for our family and for me but she has found a passion for coaching and has taken on coaching primarily runners but yeah she coaches triathletes as well and i feel like it she uh i'm kind of not necessarily her guinea pig, but um, t- a test case in a lot of ways. And uh, it's just, yeah, it helps 
with uh, with her other athletes. So sure, that's super cool. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so I'm like trying to like just think about all the aspects of how interesting that is. It's just not a common dynamic in our sport well, you could, to have. You could pitch it to Katie, Ben. See yeah, Katie, get on, on that, man. <laughs> I would, Jenica, come I would, on. I would be <laughs> so interested. If she could, <laughs> like, like, hey, I'm not gonna give you anything. Just write one week for me, and it would honestly, it'd probably be like a great week. But I would be so interested. My my wife does not come back, uh, come from a triathlon background. She did dance and a lot of really impressive things that I can't do. Um, mm-hmm. But very, very different um, athletic backgrounds. So yeah. it would be really interesting. She'd probably put a lot of like. Um, like mobility stuff. <laughs> I'd, be like, I'd be like, no, I can't touch my toes. What do you, what do you mean? Why? <laughs> oh, oh man, man, don't give Ash ideas. She'll just start doing that. Oh. Um, so Matt, I wanted to ask you about everything you've been through the last couple of years. Obviously it's, it's like, how do you bring it up? Right. Um, <laughs> but I, we said earlier you were involved in, a crash. Uh, I get, I said two years, uh, like two years ago, it was almost four years ago, which I I can't believe it was that long ago. Time flies. Um, but can you just like walk us through what happened? Because we have a lot of questions. Well, just to set the scene a little bit, it was April, 2020. So we were like neck deep in the craziness of COVID and the lockdowns were for real, especially in Southern California, especially on a military installation. We lived at Edwards Air Force Base. So we were on the base. Our military our installation commander had put in some crazy policies, like only mission essential personnel could come to the base. So we were like completely locked down. We couldn't leave the base unless it was for like essential purposes only. And even with that, you could only go within a certain mile radius. And, uh, And he also restricted people who lived on the base to stop socializing with their neighbors. And a lot of people took that super seriously and like to the point where people were ratting on each other. And it was, it was insane, like super dystopian. Ashley likes to describe it as district 12 of the Hunger Games type feel. Anyway, despite all that, it was great for training. I got to, got to go out a lot um, because we're, I was teleworking a lot and there's really only one good road to to do rides out there on and it's a it's a long stretch it's like 15 miles that connects the base to the nearest you can't even call it a town but the nearest like highway and it's super flat like relatively flat and wide open you're going through these de- like these dry lake beds so you can see for miles um, so I was out there on April 18th and coming back in towards the base and I had a tailwind. So I was just flying like 30 miles plus 30 miles plus. It was awesome. And I saw a few cars, which was like uncharacteristic of uh, the time because again, nobody was really allowed on base, but like, thankfully I had my Garmin Varia to notify me when cars were coming up on me. So I'd get out of arrow and get, as far right as I could. Um, and yeah, it was, it was fine until it wasn't. And like the next thing I know, there's this, I hear this massive crunch of carbon and I'm coming to 
with this lady in my face asking if I'm okay. Uh, by all accounts, there were three bystander that, cars that were that had witnessed the whole thing. I was flying in the air up and over his vehicle. And I think I landed on my butt because I was like, that's where the, the rash was the worst. And my, my backside was like completely exposed. It tore my kit. And as I'm laying there, like trying to make sense of what had happened, that's all I could think about was me in open kimono trying to cover up my bare butt. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. uh, But this this lady that was helping me, she was an off-duty cop, so she was fantastic. She made sure that the site was like well documented and called the paramedics, called Ashley. I just made sure that I was taken care of. Paramedics came, Ashley came. Yeah, they, they loaded me up on the gurney. They were they were actually questioning whether to take me to the hospital because of COVID. Like, we really want to take them? <laughs> like, dude, it's not that crazy. Yeah, so we want to go. I just got hit by a car, you know. So we, I had a hard time laying on the gurney because of my butt. So I was, like, laying on my stomach and on my side, sort of. Um, but, yeah. They uh, took me to the hospital. They had to put me under because of how extensive the rash was. And they, they cleaned it up, took all the scans, making sure there wasn't any inter- internal bleeding or had a brain bleed and uh, x-rays, no breaks. So, yeah, everything came back clear. And they wanted to discharge me right away because, because of COVID. Like, they, they didn't want to admit me. And so they were trying to get me to stand up and walk out because that was the only way they were going to let me leave. And I couldn't. I I kept getting dizzy and throwing up or passing out. And literally hours, like four hours later, I was finally able to make my way to a wheelchair where they wheeled me out to Ashley. And uh, so I went home and started my recovery. It was It was wild. And, and recovery was wild. Like, uh, Ashley, dude, God bless that woman because she was a saint in taking care of me. She did everything for me. The wound care alone just, it took two hours a day to address oh, wow. all the road rash. And I couldn't do anything without her help. I, I had trouble rolling out of bed, going to the bathroom, showering. Yeah, it, it was, it was rough. Did you end up having any kind of like surgery afterwards or yeah? Or so was that just it? Again, because of COVID, it, it, it was hard to get the healthcare needed to, to actually diagnose everything. Like I started slurring my speech and my, my behavior was like completely out of whack. So abnormal. I, so I w- went back and got additional scans, like a CT scan I, again, didn't have a brain bleed, but was diagnosed with a, a TBI. And I couldn't move my shoulder, so I had to go get... I was trying to rehab that as much as I could, like through PT and whatnot, but just wasn't working. And finally, got an MRI that exposed a full rotator cuff tear along with labral tears. Mm. So I had to have like complete like reconstructive surgery on my right shoulder. And that was in October of 2020. So that just tells you how long the process yeah, was. Six months just, later. Yeah. 
Now, what didn't you send some of those like brain scans to someone else on the team? Yeah, Matt Bender. Tell us about that. Yeah, dude, Matt Bender is like a neurosurgeon. It's so amazing the the breadth of experience we have on the team. Like, like it's incredible that the guys that we're able to associate with, like, um, you know, you guys included. It's incredible the guys that are on the team and what they do for a living. And, and Matt Bender's one of them, freaking neurosurgeon at Johns uh, Hopkins. Yeah, at jo- yeah <laughs> exactly. And I send him over my scans and he was able to talk me through a lot of things. And he saw no signs of like serious injury or serious concern to him. Like TBIs are, are a serious thing, obviously, but what, what is a TBI? Just I don't oh, know traumatic, traumatic brain injury. Got yeah. <laughs> so like severely concussed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the, the slurred speech is a sign of that and change in behavior. And, um, it has another sign. So he said that that was all consistent with what he saw. It was, it was awesome just to get that reassurance. And so that was six months later, you had sh- shoulder surgery and then what was, I mean, <laughs> What was life like after that? I mean, what was, you know, six months to a year like? Were you just rehabbing, doing PT? I mean, what was that like? Dude, it was it was crazy. Um, I actually got word of, of open surgery dates, in, like I said, in October. But it was the same time in which Ashley was supposed to start IVF. So I offered to postpone my recovery so that we could pursue IVF together, like, go through um, the treatments, like giving her all the shots and whatever else that she needed. Um, I just wanted to be fully present for her. And she said, no, she said, get your surgery and take care of yourself so that we can be, you know, get past this. So we were going through IVF along with, you know, recovering from this surgery. And uh, I also had like issues with my back that I was trying to rehab. And the only good physical therapist that I I had access to was in uh, Redondo beach, which was oh, like a hundred miles away. So I would wake up at four 30 in the morning, a couple of times a week and yeah, drive round trip in the, uh, to go see her. Oh, wow. And I mean, I'm so glad I did. It was, it was rough the commute, but she was amazing. And honestly, I, I don't know that I would be in the sport still if I wasn't for her because all the doctors that I had talked to before, before her were saying that I would never do a triathlon again. And I was lucky to be alive. And because of the combination of everything that had happened, I I wouldn't be able to swim or run. So it's like a miracle. Um, But yeah, that that, like recovery, that's kind of what it looked like. I was driving insane amount of hours to go see this physical therapist. I was trying to, you know, do what I could to get back, back into shape. And in a lot of ways, I feel like recovery's still going. Like, yeah, it, it, uh, I'm sure that's probably like the hardest thing to like with all of this is admitting that I'm still, I'm still not fully recovered. I'm still not back to where I was or, or where I, where I want to be and being okay with that, you know, mm-hmm. and recognizing that, yeah, we can move past this and be positive and, and work towards that. What? During this process, you mentioned like being positive. What were some of the things that helped you stay motivated to drive to 
Redondo Beach, several. <laughs> I mean, that's for people who don't know, like that's a it's a really long drive and it's a really not fun drive. And no. he's doing that a bunch just to get help. So what were the things that kept you really motivated to keep kind of plugging along with your rehab and all of that? It's it's hard. Like this whole experience is hard because I don't. I, I'm, I'm actually I, I'm grateful that I get to talk to you guys about it because I shy away from talking about it. I have shied away from talking about it because I don't, I don't like feeling I, like I'm a victim. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel, like feeling, I don't, I hate the fact that this happened to me. I wish that it hadn't obviously, but um, I hate blaming it for things. I hate, yeah, just, just feeling like, yeah, just that having that victim mentality and that in the end of itself is motivation to, to like for my kids to say like, Hey, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to push through this. I'm not going to let this win. And I'm going to overcome all these hard things to get back to where I was. And, and I don't always have that perspective. I, in fact, I actually never come to that perspective alone. It's always Ashley. She is far and away the, my biggest champion and the one that's encouraging me along the way to, to, to see that, like my potential and, and again, not letting this win, but to, to stay positive and to, to push through the hard things to, to get back to where we were and beyond. Wow. Well, it sounds like Ashley's like the secret weapon. Dude, I know she is. Sorry. Sorry guys. She's taking that. Yeah. She's freaking awesome. I just, I remember, and I, I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember seeing a picture of you at uh, 70.3 Worlds in St. George in 2021. That was your first race back, correct? Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember seeing a picture of you probably descending, what, Snow Canyon or whatever with this big, goofy grin on your face. <laughs> on a road um, bike. On a road bike. Yeah. Right. But, but the real question I have is... Can you tell us about that first time back on your bike out on the road? You know, what was going through your head? What kind of things do you think about? How's that changed your perspective on things? Oh gosh. I um I have a sister-in-law who is in the army and unfortunately has gone through some PTSD uh related to her service and she was one of the people that reached out to me with like some a, a workbook to kind of work through that post-traumatic stress a little bit. And like, I was, I feel like that was huge and definitely relatable being in the military community, but it's hard to say what specifically was going through my mind that first time out, because I tried not to think, I just tried to, you know, yeah. act like it was another ride and, and just getting back out there and, not riding scared was huge and just try to do it over and over and over again. And with each time you walk away with the victory, you know, um, so that's, that's nothing profound, but just getting back out there kind of mind, like putting out of, out of mind and just doing it. Yeah. I had not even thought about this, Matt, but I just remembered when you were saying that, that we were at camp in Vegas, I guess, 2022. And 
we were riding next to each other and I remember like looking at you and thinking like, is he okay? I hadn't even thought like, I, I hope this is like, okay for him. <laughs> and I remember like I asked you, I'm like, Hey, are, is this, are you, are you feeling all right? Like, is this all right for you? And you, I remember by that point you were like, yeah, I'm good. I yeah. was, I, I'm feeling okay. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I remember thinking like, well, if you want to pull over or whatever, I'm like, I'm with you, man. But we can but, walk back. Yeah. yeah. But I remember like you kind of forget. And then I remember we were riding and, um, you have that moment of like, Oh, I hope, I hope this is okay for him. <laughs> Cause it's, it could be, I mean, it, that would be a terrifying thing getting back out there. Well, yeah. I will tell you that first, that first day I didn't ride cause I was coming off of Ultraman. And I rode along in Talbot's van and you guys were climbing up Red Rocks mm. and we pulled up next to Maddie D going uphill about six miles an hour. And he got into an aero tuck <laughs> to go uphill very slowly. <laughs> and, I, and I thought... I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was just trying to get a good picture. Yeah, that's all it was. <laughs> all about the photos, man. Oh, man. That is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. So, Matt, I asked a couple guys that we have on the team. I'm not going to tell you who. Like, hey, if you could ask Matt Davis a question about this whole fiasco, <laughs> what, would you, what would you ask him? And one of them that I thought was really interesting – um, was, I'm just actually, I'm going to say who it was. It was, it was our boy, Greg Lindquist. Um, <laughs> but he said, what has he changed if anything with how he approaches the sport and life day to day after this? So what, what has been the big changes for Matt Davis after this whole episode? I wish I could say that I, you know, relish in every single sweat session on my bike and like love getting, getting back out and, and appreciate every single moment. But, you know, it, it's uh, not necessarily true on the day to day. I, I feel like I do have a greater sense of appreciation for the sport itself. I think that a huge part of my recovery, the, the, the fact that I was able to come back and even compete in an a half Ironman and an Ironman speaks to the way the body can recover when it's treated properly, if that makes sense. Like, because mm -hmm. I'm doing triathlete, triathlon, I'm able to do triathlon when I, after I get injured, I'm able to bounce back quicker. I appreciate so much the, I, I really do feel like I, I appreciate so much the sport. I appreciate so much the, the community too. I talked a lot about Ashley, but being a part of this team, man, has been, I mean, I'll, it's get emotional talking about it. It's, it was just overwhelming to see the outpouring of support specifically from our team once this happened. And I know you guys were leading the charge on that. And you guys, the whole team sent me recovery boots, recovery ice cream, and like recovery tools. It was it was fun. It was just amazing. And, um, so I think that, uh, if anything, it, it makes me appreciate the people more and, and like what a blessing it is that it actually came into my life instead of 
looking at this accident as something that terrible that has happened to me and like um like giving up on the sport because of it can i can i be honest with you though um i'm not gonna say ben and i weren't leading the charge but ultimately, <laughs> ultimately uh the person who told us what you needed was ashley sorry to say we're bringing it back to ashley yep, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> our our next guest right that's yeah. right yeah hey is she there can you just can you just have her on no <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you, you might want to have her come on to fact check a lot of this stuff i've been telling you so a kind of kind of obvious question is do you ride more inside now or do you ride more outside now? I mean, you, you don't live in that area anymore where this happened, which um, may be a blessing. I don't know. But has it changed how you ride your bike? Like I, I for 15 years, I've done 90% of my riding on a trainer. And it's not because I'm a psychopath. It's because I just think it's great. I think it's efficient and I don't mind it. Like some people despise it. And I just like, I think, I think it's great. I love running on my treadmill and I love like, I like doing indoor training. And so it's never really bugged me, but has that been something you've had to kind of readjust in your scope or not really? I think so. I think that I've been a lot more cautious in finding, finding routes, finding roads that do have a big shoulder, ones that have less traffic and whatever else. But I have gone primarily to indoor riding and unless I'm going to, to Boulder to ride outside with a bunch of EMJ guys or, or anyone else, or if it's a long ride that needs to be outdoors, then I'll yeah find a place here in the Springs, but, and the Springs kind of sucks for outdoor riding anyway. So it's, it's not kind of a no brainer, but yeah, I, I have moved to, to primarily indoors and, I'm definitely more cautious when it comes to riding outdoors and where, uh, where I choose to ride. But I'm with you, Ben. I, I love riding indoors. I think it's so convenient. I get to jump on the trainer whenever I want and uh, fit in whenever it's, I can. It's so efficient. It's yeah. so easy. It's and almost- honestly, like having AirPods that you can connect to an Apple TV like if you're a parent out there with kids and you don't want to have to like blast your TV really loud, like that for me was an absolute game changer that you can connect your headphones to your Apple TV and they can't even hear that you're watching the football game or watching a movie or watching sports center or whatever while you're riding or running. And it's, it's been such a great tool for me. Exactly. For the record, for those of you who can't see the video of Ben, he has wired headphones in right now. I do. I, I love me some wired headphones. Dude, living in the now. Come on. So, so Maddie D, what's uh, what's next for you? What's on the calendar for 2024? Oh, dude, I'm coming off of a pretty disappointing season last year. I, I mean, I threw together some pretty poor training blocks leading up to a couple Ironmans didn't go very well. And with Kona in the balance in 2024, I really, it was, it was kind of disheartening, but I am signed up for, for Texas, Ironman Texas. I'm going to give her another go and yeah, just hope, yeah, hope I can put things together for that. Again, it's, it, it all comes back to what we were talking about earlier. Just need like accepting where I am. And, and being okay with that and kind of trying to build off of that instead of getting 
getting too down on it. I also I am do doing. Feel, a, I do feel like your age group's going to be stacked since I feel like half the team signed up for that race. <laughs> I know, I know. Seriously. So Texas, Texas is a, a focus. Anything else? I mean, I might do Oceanside before that, but um, yeah, Texas is the goal with uh, hopefully walking away with the Kona slot. And you know, if it doesn't happen, whatever. But we're that's what we're gunning for. At is least. Ashley also racing, or just you? Uh, she's doing Boston, kind of a, a run focus for her right now, and then we'll pick up triathlon later in the year. And you'll just kind of go into Texas and reassess after that. Yeah, I'm. I, mean, I don't even know what else else is after that. Lake Placid. I don't even know. It's crazy doing this Kona chase. You know, jumping from Ironman to Ironman, and whether or not that will pan out, it, it usually doesn't. But I, I may may jump into Lake Placid last minute, depending on how Texas goes. We'll see. I, uh, I did that in 18. I did Texas. Wasn't real happy. Jumped to Placid. <laughs> you guys both did Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did Texas, and then I and then I last minute did Placid. Am I going to see you out there, Ben, with your sun hat? Oh, I don't know what Matt's referring to is uh, Matt Davis and Matt Barkas did Ironman Texas in 2018 and I drove down to cheer them on. And I remember, I remember cause I brought my wife with me and it was so fun to not be racing <laughs> because oh, it was I so great with the three loop run to see yeah, you. It was. Oh fun. yeah. No, and I were and look forward and, to that. And I've done that Ironman before down there. And so I knew the run course, like I knew where to go right away and it made it really easy. We just like set up a bunch of chairs underneath uh, a big shady tree and hung out. It was great. And like you said, you got to see all these people a bunch of times, but no, I'm not doing a full, I haven't done a full since Kona in 2016. I've, I kind of was like, that was cool. That was great. That was a lot of work. <laughs> But uh, no, I'm happy doing my 70.3s and I'm good with that for now. Smashing it. But yeah. I've, I've just reached the uh, where my daughter comes to races and really enjoys it. And that's just like the coolest thing. I think that's you don't like want the... to ruin that by bringing it yeah. to a <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this, this, this event you just went to, we're going to basically do two in a row today. <laughs> uh, but no, honestly, I just... I just don't feel like that's where I'm at right now. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and I respect you guys and I respect the people that are willing to train and dedicate that much effort. But I just, it's not one of those things that I look at and I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) When you're doing it, you don't think about it. Oh, I know. I know. It's just, it's one of those things though. When you haven't done a full in a while, those distance numbers are, they're scary. Yeah, it's a lot. So Matt, I have a, a random question. I just thought to ask you this, but the whole thing with Barkus and I doing this is we're on this team and l- kind of like what you were saying, we have all these interesting people that are all kind of like one degree of separation away that we're like, these are great people. We want people to like hear about them because you may not ever hear about these people because they're just amateur triathlon participants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they all have these incredible stories. And like you mentioned, Matt Bender and 
you know, we're talking to you and we want to talk to some other people too, that are either on their team or were on the team or associated with the team, whatever. Do you have any suggestions for us on kind of where we go with this whole thing? On who's next or not, not who's next, but like, just in what general. Do, what do what do people want to know about amateur triathletes? I was thinking about all this. I was thinking a lot about this actually in prepping for this. Like, what do I even have to offer these guys? It's not that great of a story. Kind of depressing. Um, but I think it's really cool to hear origin stories, like how they got into it and what what keeps them going. Um, what what lessons they've learned from triathlon. All, all that stuff because. Yeah, like you were saying in your intro, a lot of the pro stuff you see on YouTube, it's pretty down in the weeds with all the data and whatever else. Nerd <laughs> alert. <laughs> Ew. Uh, but <laughs> uh, not that that's a bad thing if that's your thing. But uh, no, I, I think getting out there and seeing what motivates people um, to keep coming at this especially as amateurs. Well, that's what I'm taking away from our talk with you for me is your motivation to show your kids you're not going to give up. I think that's freaking cool. And yeah, it's incredible. I respect that a ton. And if you would have said, you know, I'm good. I'm not going to ride this bike thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> After getting hit by a car traveling at really fast speed, I would be like, yeah, man, I get it. Yeah. But I think it's really inspiring that you're willing to be like, no, we're going to, we're going to not let this define us. I think that's really cool. Well, thanks man. Um, Maddie D I just want to thank you for the time. Um, I feel like there was so many other things that um, we could talk about, but uh, we might have to save that for another episode of where's Maddie D now. So maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> post Texas, we can have another conversation, but um, yeah, fly us out to Hawaii and all that. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I knew these stories, but hearing them again, I'm just, I'm kind of at a loss for words. So thank you. No, dude. Thank, thank you. Like I said, it's, I think to my own detriment, I've tried to avoid talking about this. And um, I, it's good for me to like, to hear myself, you know, talk about these things out loud. And I think it, to the detriment of others, I've kept it all in. So I, I hope in some way it can be beneficial to, to you, to the uh, thousands, millions of listeners that you get with this pod. <laughs> the, the tens of listens we're going <laughs> to <Yeah>. get. <laughs> no, but it is, it's like therapeutic and it, it it's a good reminder of, of why, why I'm still in it and yeah, what keeps me coming back. So yeah, thanks for the opportunity. It's uh, I do feel like it's an honor to be the first amateur on this <laughs> amateur and hour. You, and you are such an amateur. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for your time and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, buddy. Thanks. thanks All right. See, see you, dude. Surrounded by amateurs. For a group of freaking amateurs. But they're amateurs. Trying to an amateur. I'm just sick of all the amateur stuff, you know? What is this, amateur hour?